Hey everyone, welcome to Squatch Talk. I'm Pat, and uh, we have a we have a great show tonight. We have a little like a little mini mini miniature super panel going on. Uh, I've got I've got a couple of very interesting guests, and uh, I, I think they'll they'll play off each other very well, actually. So uh, so yeah, I'm happy to bring to the table tonight. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Steve Anderson, who uh, he's a he's a, a a thinking man's thinking man, I think. Uh, so he, he he has a lot of good deep thought to bring to the table. Uh, and of course, uh, our other guest tonight is going to be Mr. Patrick Vaughn, who uh, he's one of these guys that kind of goes beyond your. Uh, your casual encounter, encounter, I'll say. Like he um, he decided to go ahead and dive deeper and get more involved. Uh, and I guess you know one could say maybe the you know maybe the geographical setup for that was there. And for whatever reason, though, he decided to get more involved. And he's just he's kind of one of those guys where it's like, yeah, I've seen the Bigfoot. But then I got more involved, and so Patrick Vaughn is actually uh, kind of hanging around uh, on the outskirts, right, Patrick? Because we don't we don't go too deep, you don't get too close, right? So uh, it's one of those things where he's he's kind of got a lot more to bring to the table than uh, than just your average encounter, and um, and maybe a little bit of observations actually happening there, so. So welcome to the show tonight, Steve and Patrick. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. I'm awesome. Doing well. Good, good, good. So yeah, let's jump right in, man. Uh, so Patrick, you have uh, you you had an encounter. It it, it changed you. Maybe uh, maybe gave you a little PTSD. I don't know, uh, but you kind of maybe even thought. Maybe that didn't happen to me, but you do have in deeper. And so what has that led to? Um, yeah, you know, I was absolutely against the existence of Bigfoot. Okay. Until you, you, I had, you, thought it, you thought it was bunk. Oh, growing up, uh, everything, most of what we ate, I chased down and killed and caught. Right. I was, I was, I've been in the woods since I was in diapers. You know, and, and I remember asking my father about, you know, this because I read the books of, you know, that came out and he said, it's an, it's a wife's tale. Mm. Well, in two, in 2003, I got chased out of the woods by a wife's tale. Okay. It, it nice. wasn't supposed, it wasn't supposed to be there and it changed. It was so disturbing to me that I was embarrassed. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a primitive living skills student, primitive survival expert, and, and just, you know, avid woodsman, you know, running for his life, as far as he knew, out of the woods for over a mile, being chased by one of these beings. And I laughed at myself. I said, it's a hallucination. There's no way. And then, and I repressed it. I repressed it. I had to repress it because I had nightmares for a couple of years and it was embarrassing. You know, I even embarrassed myself on a, on a show telling this encounter 
on another podcast a couple weeks ago. And uh, I can't help but feel embarrassed every time I talk about it. But it was absolutely disturbing to me. And it wasn't until my second encounter that I actually could accept this as there is a phenomenon known as Bigfoot that exists out there in the woods that will make you think there's a Bigfoot. Okay, that's as far as I could go with it. Mm. And, uh, and, but after that second encounter, and I started doing some armchair right after the first. And, and believe it or not, one of the first things I researched was uh, hallucinations and mass hysteria. Interesting. You know, that's, you know, I was debunking yeah. how I felt and what I witnessed. I was trying to debunk everything. And that carried on into my research of after my second encounter uh, in 2009, I, and my little boy was watching this show and he wanted to go find Bigfoot. And I thought, well, that'd be a perfect opportunity to debunk this. So I, I you know, but I didn't want to go out and look and look and look and not find anything. So um, I developed a, uh, a tool. I guess you can say, uh, single knock theory. And I took single knock theory out and it was easy. I'd get knocks wherever I went. I could knock, they'd knock, they come running and knocking, you know, and I, and I, I was leaning towards a, a known animal, unknown behavior sort of situation. And my son's going, it's a Bigfoot, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not me. I, you know, we're debunking this. And then uh, after a few years of that, we got a fire going and we had fished all afternoon. He wanted to go do single knock and he calls. We're three miles from my first encounter site. And, and you know, I, I felt safe that far away from it and in the area I was in. Sure. But, but, she, but this phenomenon come up to the wood line across the highway from us went down, crossed between a, a, a more narrow spot, come all the way around this large field on, on the inside the wood line and come up and stepped into our firelight. And so there's two dogs and three people looking at this thing and it's us. <clears throat> okay. So I cannot debunk this anymore. It's a real being. You know, I know it's knocking out there now. Um, it's flesh and blood. I'm looking at it. It's looking at me. There's no denying the fact that this is a very real being. And the most disturbing part of that for me was that they've been out there the whole time and they're so large with their, with their capabilities. I don't go in the woods as a big bad hunter because I can. I'm allowed in and I'm allowed to leave in peace because they let me. And I don't like that allowance. That allowance took some power away from me that I felt comfortable with in the woods. And that screwed mm-hmm. me up. And it's embarrassing. And, you know, you sound like, oh, you know, this guy sounds kind of wimpish. You know, but, uh, you know, that's just, the, that's just the way it is. That's the reality of the situation. Well, there, I, 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 I don't. I wouldn't say you're wimpish, man. I mean, these are powerful things, right? I mean, you understand that. Mm -hmm. You probably understand that now more than you ever have, I'm guessing, Patrick. Uh, 
uh, you don't you don't just walk up on them when they're all sitting around hanging out with each other, right? <laughs> um, no. They could pick you up and throw you, what, 20 feet through the air up against a tree? Probably snap your neck. So and oh. when you're, you're dealing with a grizzly bear, basically, like, there's nothing wimpish about it, man. Well, I appreciate that, but it's just the... I was really embarrassed after, you know, because I've only I've only told my first encounter three times and I told it once in audio. And uh, it's actually there's actually a video of me in that place, in that bottom on video telling and going through the bottom, showing where it all happened. And right. uh, on Bigfoot Explorer, if I can say that name, I don't that's fine. Mind. No, say whatever you want. Yep. And uh, and I had trouble in there, too with it and uh and then when and then the sawdust beast a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago was probably the last time i'll tell that one because it took me several days to get back to sleep to where I, it, it affects my sleep it's a it's insomnia and nightmares and and i've been in way worse situations and way closer to them and way more uh aggressive behavior doing my studies for 16 years than mm. what that first one was but that first one shifted shifted everything so much emotionally that uh yeah it, it screwed me up for a while a, a big shift uh, yeah so what do you think steve i mean that where that that is a big shift you know uh well yeah absolutely you're no longer the peak of the food chain um I became aware of these uh, most acutely in uh, an encounter where I have to say I, I'm really glad it was a new moon. Uh, could not see my hand in front of my face. Uh, I was out there with my girlfriend at the time, who I'm married with now. We were out there to go stargazing, and the bugs were really terrible that night. So we were sitting in the car deciding what to do, and there was a grunt, and then the car, the back end of the car got shoved over about two or three feet, and then something stomped past, brushing against the car, and then stomped, not walked, stomped down the road towards the uh, deeper forest, and... Uh, when I stopped, now this was 1986, so no cell phone cameras. I, I did not have a camera available at the time. and uh, But I stopped to get gas on driving, driving home, and uh, there was a handprint about the size of a dinner plate on the back fender of the car. And there were fingerprints on about the middle of the bumper. Now, we heard a grunt when that happened that went along with shoving the car, which is probably just the exertion of lifting and pushing, but, and then the dust on the side of the car, the road dust had streaks from the hair where it brushed past the car. So I'm really glad. I think in the end that we didn't actually see that <laughs> we had plenty of time to talk about it. And, and we, we, certainly talked about it. We left immediately. We weren't even curious what it was that went deeper into the woods. We just turned back towards town. 
course. Exactly what I would have done. But we also realized as we were talking and, and as we were going through it, that whatever that was, was obviously certainly big enough to do a lot more damage. And it chose not to. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what kept us, allowed us to keep going back into the woods. You're exactly right about that. Um, you know, I have to agree with you there. Um, as many times and as close as I've been and as many encounters I've had, and as terrified as I've been being yelled at, growled at, not one of them's tried to take my life. You know, they've always backed off when I've backed off, you know. I think a lot of our fear comes from us projecting what, what we expect people to do. We, we project human feelings into that probably because they look a lot like us. As much as they don't look like us, we project a human into that. And what would a human do if a human was as pissed off as that thing seems to be? Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. I mean, if you walk around the corner of a trail and there's an eight-foot-tall, naked, hairy monkey man staring you in the face, like, that's something you have no connection with prior. Like, you're seeing it for the first time. It's not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. You should piss yourself. You should. I mean, that's... It's like, it would be like running in, like Steve, it'd be like running into a velociraptor. Like you're, it's not supposed to be here. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, they're intimidating looking because of their sheer size, whether they're uh, snarling at you or not. Right. Uh, 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 I, I can only what imagine. I say, what I say to people who are actually seeking an encounter and, and I, I try to put it, at least a little humor into it. And the, the way I put it is you, you step around that corner, just like uh, Pat said, you step around that corner and eight or nine feet tall, four feet shoulder to shoulder is, is standing right there in front of you over the next 10 to 15 seconds. What are your sphincters doing? <laughs> and your bladder. Yeah. And your, yeah. Your your oh. bottle your bodily functions and yeah. that's that's common a common thing. People yes. say they lose control. And 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 entirely natural and not necessarily not really anything to be embarrassed about. It's just what happens. Well, I puckered. <laughs> I didn't release. I yeah. puckered. <laughs> but fair enough. But uh both, both are possible. You know, yeah. I, I, I was basically shocked back into, uh, into, into my training as far as, you know, assessing situations. You know, if, if, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, you have to be able to assess your situation quickly and go into, uh, you know, crisis mode and micromanage and think your way through all the problems. And, uh, what and, training? Military? Um, almost. Not, not, not military, no. 
Okay. I've never been military. Uh, I run with some of the groups that are probably on a government watch list. Okay. But uh, a lot of uh, primitive survival and primitive living skills training, uh, paramilitary. But I went back into my, uh, my training and I was managing uh, all the emotions. I packed it back and and this is during the first encounter. Yeah. And, and I didn't let, allow myself to feel anything until I was in my truck quarter mile down the road and I laughed at myself uh, hysterically. And I had a I had a soft drink with me and I tossed it into the floorboard and I thought someone someone spiked that crap, you know, because for me to hallucinate that, you know. I have heard this story. Yes. But uh yeah. But uh you know, I just go into crisis management mode and that's that's this that's is my go to anytime I'm in the field uh thinking my way through problems. Uh I mean I've had 33 encounters with these beans. I've tracked 24 of them, literally behind them, tracked them. I tracked three of these 20 yards behind them in the dark, right after a rainstorm with flashlights on myself and my tracking partner, you know. And uh, I've been, I've seen them. There's nothing between us eight times. And every time I go into crisis management mode now, the last, the second to the last time I was in Southern Arkansas and I turned a corner and my tracking partner elbows me, there he is. And he's blacker than night. He's out there. He's massive. He's used. He's got red eyes. He's looking right through us. And I couldn't get a word out. You know, it was almost like I was back with the first one, you know, and he elbows again. He goes, there it is. Look. And I'm looking at it, you know. But uh, and and that was captured on camera. You can see the eye shine in the IR as it's out there. But uh, and with witnesses, you know. But uh, it has just a, been a weird trip. I'm but sure. I haven't, you know, and 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 the most difficult part of this in researching it was, is you 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 hear all this information. And a lot of it turns into disinformation, and and the rest of it is is unproven information, and so you really got to become good at sorting through information, mm. and and putting little pins in them and putting them up on a on a pin board. Yeah. This this is here, this is here, and you really got to get organized and organize all this information, and then find you a starting point. And my starting point was single knock, and learning how they knock and get a rudimentary knowledge of what their knocks mean when they use them, how they use them and what have you. Right. Okay. I ran into single knock about a year ago when I was just starting this before I was organizing my notes. So I'm presuming that was you. Probably. Now, you know, and then single knock turned into them coming in and either doing or not doing things. And what they don't do is just as important as what you witness them do. And, and you, that's how you learn their behavior. It's kind of yeah. like my tracking partner, he and I go into a place, I do a yell, I have two of them come in. He walks out to within 10 feet of them and he's sitting there knocking. And he, he'll knock and this one knock and that one knock. Well, after the big male found out it was me screaming, he didn't, he didn't address anything to my tracking partner. He, he directed it straight to me. 
Okay, so they have rules they operate under. They're not just some animal that's going to lash out at someone. Okay, they'll wait and find out who the guilty party is and address that person. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a pretty cool, that was a pretty cool, you know, uh, tidbit of information to get out of that. If you were thinking It'd be it. really good to be able to devise an experiment for other people to do in other areas to try to confirm that observation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I'm going to tell you, that was a pretty uh, sketchy situation to be in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I had, I had a girl that come out to do audio was in the back of the truck. She, had back, she got out of the truck, got out of the back truck, got in the back seat of the truck, said, y'all are nuts. You know, yeah. af after the big one growled at me and, and we got in the truck and we did a circle trying to end with video going video, trying to get them in the headlights. And, uh, of course you didn't see them. So I, my tracker partner and I, we got out of the truck and we start tracking that big one, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot down the Creek bank. That's when she said, y'all lost your mind, you know, and she doesn't go out with me anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, some people are going to be like that. I mean, again, <laughs> these things are intimidating, right? I mean, they're even if they're not like trying to like be aggressive or stick their hands out in your face and char bluff charge you, just to look at one or hear one is well, like, what am I dealing with, man? I don't know what I'm dealing with. That's the way I feel, guys. Yeah. You know that. Like, I don't. I don't trust them. I don't look for them. I've been out there so much solo camping many, many years ago. And now I realize they had to be out there basically all the time. They had to be aware of where I was. That tells me a lot about them and about their attitude. Now, I understand down south, uh, they're a little more aggressive. And that might be in proportional response to the way humans are out there. Well, I've been developing a theory and this is a theory. I believe the ones in the South where there's limited uh, wildlife management area, limited national force, and they're all surrounded by huge metropolises of people. I believe those guys behave themselves very well compared to the ones out west where you have BLM land for miles and hundreds and thousands of acres. I believe those guys out there, if, if they can get away with something with you, they will. That's my theory. Just based on accounts I've heard from out west and what I've witnessed here in my area. Because uh, I've been in the dark with eight of them out there yelling and screaming at me. Mm. And, and they didn't come mm. in. Okay. Uh. And, uh, and, 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 we, and we're talking about belief or the lack of. I understand it completely. I've had people look me dead in the eye and say, you're full of it. There's no way. And I tell them that's okay because that was me in 2002. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you know where their head's at. Yeah. But there are so many around, you know, and, and, and I can go out and track 
and find them everywhere around here. Okay, they're not some far-flung animal that's here and there and far between. There's a lot of them in places that people don't know about. You know, they are everywhere, and everywhere I go, I'm finding small tracks. That means that there's going to be more in six to ten years. The population is going to triple what it was now. Right. And there's a bunch of them now. Interesting. So what do you, I mean, what do you do with that situation, Patrick, though? I mean, again, um, you don't want to go walking right, uh, right into their camp, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I don't think they'll let you. Probably not, right? Um, I've studied, I've been studying the, the safety factor of this. That's what I've been doing. Uh, I was never going to come out with my study except for I heard of alleged missing people and and some really bad encounters. And so, and, and that coupled with the fact that there are so many more on their way to being adults and looking for their own territories. And anytime you have two species in the same area competing for the same resources, there's gonna be friction. And guess what species has no idea those exist? Us. Okay, you have a you have a huge population of species that are half the size of what is coming, with no clue of what it's what is there, what their capabilities are, or even that, or even admit that they are real. Mm. And, and so that, to me, from a survivalist standpoint, is a recipe uh, for disaster. Could be. It is. Yeah, I'd say more like a quarter the size. It is, but uh, you know, um, I'll say this: uh, the you know the human species has a uh, has a very uh, very brotherly kind of approach to each other. Where I mean, if one goes missing, one goes missing, a hundred will come. Yeah. And I've always been under the I've been under the theory that the Sasquatch know this, which is why, in my mind, which is why they don't do, uh, you know, yeah. missing 411 crap. Uh, even if even if occasionally they do, one slips up or whatever. Uh, I'm not trying to be absolutist, but yeah. generally speaking, my theory is is that they they have to have some kind of understanding that if one goes missing, a hundred more come, and they, what they don't want is a hundred more to come. They can yeah. tolerate the one, maybe the five, whatever it is. Uh, but they're not going to do anything to screw that up yeah. because they they understand that more will come. Yeah. Now I and, think it's a we will. I think it's a mistake to think to to try to put really to to try to put human thinking into them. Uh, they're, they're certainly by all appearances, they're very intelligent. Uh, I say in my introductory, uh, video on my channel, uh, in a lot of ways, I think they are smarter than we are. That is, they think faster with the same amount of information. They would come to a tactical decision faster than we could. Uh, they're smarter. They may not know as much. They don't have cell phones, but 
they process information faster than we do. Yeah, I would go with that. Yeah. From from my observations of their behaviors and how how, how quickly they solve problems, uh, they have a primal, primitive mindset with a genius IQ. Mm. Genius IQ, really? Really. Do you elaborate on that? Um. Okay, Southern Arkansas. You know, a smart animal will chase a deer down. A little bit smarter animal will use a club. These juveniles were setting fence rows up of brush in between saplings of pines and were driving the deer right next to their hide that they could dive out on top and grab them. Okay, they figured that out. Um, right that's that's not just that's not just average intelligence interesting yeah, i agree would i mean so uh are you guys are uh familiar with christopher noel right yes actually he's one of the first people i reached out to when i started to try to contact people getting well, back into this right he he came up with a theory um, and, and he put it together in a video and it was very well put together and it was very well thought out. And, and at the time, especially I was like, wow, you know, he's really thinking out, outside the box, putting this together. And he, he basically compared Sasquatch to some, some sort of a savant type, uh, what we would call savant. Uh, maybe it's not the exact same thing, not trying to say that they're savant like humans are, but, and he compared it with other animals, how birds can like bury, you know, bury their seeds in a thousand different places and always know how to get back to it. You know, birds. Actually, not really. They forget. That's how seeds spread. Or, yeah, I mean, but no, but it, at least know how to get back to some of them. Fair yeah. enough. Like, uh, I, 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 maybe I'm not doing his video justice, uh, but he, he compared even other forms of wildlife with teeny tiny brains, you know, that were, yeah. that were able to do amazing things. And of course, uh, what we would call savants with the human race, uh, maybe there are some kind of like savant you know, uh, ability well, that we don't understand, but it's something like that, that we could, could relate to. I don't know. Or, or they just, or like I said, they just have the ability to transfer the information. Go ahead, Patrick, but I'd like to answer to that. No, keep, keep going. Okay. So, um, it, it's funny. I cannot remember the brain condition he was talking about. But one thing I, I have communicated to him about now, he had already written the book. So so that's already in the uh, in the pipeline for the book. But there's there is a similar brain condition on the other side of the brain uh, called Asperger's autism, autistic savant. Yeah, autism, savantism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. On the other side of the brain, it's called Asperger's. And where autism affects expression in humans and humans are unable to express themselves well, 
with, uh, with Asperger's, it affects perception. So I'm actually very high-function Asperger's. I don't quite pass any of the diagnostic tests really very strongly. I, I fail some, I pass some. There are about five different ways to evaluate it. And some of the criteria are really, really strange things like an unusually long stride. And uh, what does that have to do with it? <laughs> How ironic, though. But um, so I learned since I couldn't perceive expressional language, two thirds of the way humans communicate is by expression. And I'm doing it. You're doing it right now. Patrick's doing it behind that uh, face over there. And you receive that information and process it naturally. I have to concentrate to understand those expressions. Um, I didn't do well in the playground in elementary school, but I learned to observe the kids that get along and to mimic the things that I observed them doing and really? be able to fit in and act in. I was high enough function to do that. Uh, then when I hit about the uh, five, six, seventh grade, uh, seventh grade chemistry, they introduced this thing called the scientific method. And I'm sitting here in the class. I've been doing this my whole life. Wow, you have a name for it. <laughs> Everyone else is confused and, and it, it's, it's complicated. How, how, how do you manage this? And I'm sitting there, wow, you actually have a name for it. Cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Like you really thought that as a, as a seventh grader? Like yeah. you thought... Scientific method, oh my God, there's finally a name for what I've been doing my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's powerful. Because, because it's what I had to do to act like a normal human being to, to fit in. Um, a, a good example of a high-function Aspie like me would be Spock. In fact, I was called Spock a lot, not necessarily kindly. Right. Right, yeah. I hear you, but uh, but you know I I, I took that and and uh, and owned it. <laughs> well, uh, well, God bless you for doing that. At least, you know. And it it yeah. has it has helped to make me a good engineer, and and certainly it has helped me in my scientific thinking and my evaluation of things going on around me. Yeah, what do you think, Patrick? Awesome, awesome job. So I think there, there's probably not some, not something terribly wrong with what Chris is proposing in that. It's just I think you can get there without actually having to have a wiring problem in your brain. You yeah, can just, you can and learn it, that, or it's been an evolutionary advantage to them to naturally have that. And again, I don't. I don't think that Christopher Noel ever um, suggested a wiring problem. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that he... Well, that's was, what autism is. Yeah, I just think that uh, he was kind of going more the savant, like, but in a, in, in a way we don't understand. Yeah. So, I, yeah, uh, 
it, it it's kind of weird. Every everybody should look at that video. Uh, uh, Christopher Noel savant theory. Um, it's interesting, and and again, it was well put together. I thought it was well thought out, and he he tried to cover all those bases and and tried to not make it about human beings. Um, that's just my opinion. So everybody would just have to watch watch the video and kind of judge for themselves. But I don't, I don't know. Like, what are you seeing out there, Patrick? Like, what are you I, seeing of these things? I personally would not try to compare our wiring mm-hmm. to theirs. Okay, uh, they are complete. They are built. You know, they may be a, a hominid, but they are. They have completely. They're completely different than us. Okay? Obviously. Yeah. Humans, humans did not create life on this earth. Okay, there's no reason for them to have any human de- any, any human DNA in them. Okay, uh, now there's no reason they shouldn't have a similar DNA since they they evolved and developed in the same planet we did. But we didn't create the life here. They should have their own DNA structures with their own wiring and own phys- their own physical attributes. Well, DNA is very closely related uh, across all life. Um, have, you, have you read Dr. Hart's uh, book talking about Ketchum's uh, project from 2012, 2013? Uh, I've heard it. I've heard it, I think. Okay. So one of the things that took my direction in late 2019 was the, the DNA stuff. Early in 2019, I, I discovered the the SGP, and I was thinking, oh, cool, someone's really taking this seriously. I wonder when they're going to publish their results. Bear in mind, this is May 2019. Right. And, and it, it didn't take me long to realize that, uh, to, to paraphrase from the movie Aliens, whatever happened here, it's over. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. There was there there was obviously nothing newsworthy from it because there was no news basically that followed the little flurry around when it was released. So I set it aside. I'll go look at it later, and I'll I'll keep studying Sasquatch, uh, mundane Sasquatch science. And then I started to run across some of the weird uh, hyperbolic claims about their DNA. So. Then I decided to dig into the DNA stuff, and I, I I have that whole story in in three videos on my channel, so I I I don't feel like I need to go through that again. If you want to hear about it, you can go there. But one of the bottom lines of that study is there's something worth looking at, and it uh, in terms of science, it needs more work. Yes, uh, there's. There's something interesting. Dr. Hart uh, figured out what it was. I stumbled into it in my research, and I came to the end of my line. I contacted Meldrum. Meldrum sent me to one of Hart's papers, and that had his email address in it. Hmm. So then I talked to Hart. So I spent a lot of the last year talking about DNA. And we can talk a lot about the DNA if you like. But the bottom line is, if we... If we really get DNA from them, we will know a lot about where they fit on the phylogenetic tree. We will know how they are related to us. Well, 
I really think it's going to take someone putting together a private lab with all private doctors working in secret to get the work done that needs to be done. That's my own take on it. And and as far as uh, as far as observations about their uh, you know even their oral what they what they teach is oral. They you know they don't just learn from hands on. They are taught orally. Okay. The, right. ev the, the evidence in that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pat. Well, I just wanted to say. So uh, you're confirming in to you personally they have a language. Yeah, I mean uh, they definitely have a language. I've heard it five times in two different states. Okay. Uh, and also, you have any of that recorded? I don't have that recorded. It's okay. I, I have I have them yell. I have I have one yelling. I've ha I have them screaming. I have them yelling. I have them whooping, but I do not have the samurai chatter. Um, but but I've heard it five times in in two different states. And uh, uh, is that is that how you would describe what you heard? Um, I'll go through this. Uh. Little Sam, who's a juvenile in my area, um, I actually, when I heard it, I didn't know what it was. Me and Audio Girl that wouldn't go out with me anymore, we're fishing this pond about a half mile back in these woods. I hear this. I have no idea what it is. It would come from the end of the pond, about 60 yards on, on this, you know, in the brush. I didn't think anything about it. I kept fishing. Well, then she says, oh, my God, he's coming. And I look, look and he's under the brush, and, he's, and he duck walks all the way up behind me, and he's watching me fish. It's the first time I ever heard that language. I didn't talk about that encounter because I didn't know what I heard or could wrap my head around what I heard enough to be able to discuss it. And I like to know what I'm talking about when I'm saying it. Um. The next four times I heard it was on at it was on expedition, and it was at one location. Uh, we did a we did a firelight, and uh, I'm sitting facing one way, and the other two facing the other way. Well, I hear a, tr a a slap of a leaf behind me, 25 yards out there. I get up. Well, then it, it goes out and goes and circles back and it's in the brush line and it's walking. And I'm telling the two people I'm with, it's at this o'clock. You know, uh, I think it started off at like uh, two o'clock. It's three o'clock now. It's four o'clock. You know, I'm telling uh, without pointing, I'm telling these people where this thing is, is at in the woods and distance. Well, the person with me, the producer of the show, he's like, ah, I could be anything. I said, OK, I said, follow me. I clicked my light on. I went out there and tracked. I let them get about five o'clock position. I went out there and I tracked, tracked these two beams. Okay, a 14 inch track and about 11 half inch track. And I'm tracking them in the dark with my light. I track them down into a gully, back up a ridge line. I track up and on camera, I said, uh, I hope they went on because if not, we're on their back door and all of a sudden they took off, took off. And I turn around, the camera's going the other way. 
<laughs> well, I don't blame them. <laughs> I get back to the firelight and I'm a little disappointed. I get back to firelight and you can hear them. And that person's like, well, you know, this person's always, you know, can't, he's, you know, have a hard time accepting things. Well, then you hear this and it's coming right from where they'd stopped at. And they're moving from left to right. And then you hear it again out there. They're talking as they're walking and they go all the way out of hearing. And then, and then we, and we did get this on audio. He called them back in and they come back in going, and we got that on audio and it's actually on video. And he, we'd knock and go, and you get two different type whoops. We had one said, and then another one would say, and it's two different individuals doing two different whoops out there. The same ones that were talking, same ones that I tracked. And this, this is the belief part. The first turnaround said, didn't happen. Yes. Um, it, it, it's amazing how people can uh, block experiences, keep, keep their brains from storing a life-changing event. I don't blame him. I repressed getting chased out of the woods for a mile for, exactly. for years. I you already had anybody. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I could, I'm all, I'm all, you know, I am totally understand disbelief. I truly do. It took me from 2003 to 2011 to say, okay, this is real. That's how long it took me to let go of, of my own agenda of not, of them not, existing that was my agenda because i didn't want them to exist i wanted the woods to myself i wanted to go out and do what i wanted to do without any any changes you know now do you you you, you talked about nightmares and you said even a couple of weeks ago when you talked about that story you you had nightmares and and you couldn't get to sleep again is that that correct Am, yes. am I remembering that correct? Yes, yes, it it, it has that effect. Okay, um, so you you know Gary Sykes, and you know the level of fear that he had over his encounter. Mm -hmm. um, I put together a video. It, it was already largely put together, but I finished it kind of inspired by uh, Gary's experiences, uh, and it's about post encounter nightmares. And I would be curious to have you watch that at some point, and then later on at some point, we'll talk about it and, and see if it was at all useful to you. I'm definitely gonna look into it. I'm definitely gonna look at that. Because uh, I'm actually very good. I'm really good, as long as I don't have to think about it. Because when I think about it, it starts playing like a movie in my head. And yeah. it, do it doesn't shut off. I <laughs> try to shut it off, but then, when I go to sleep, it starts playing again. You it's know? like that song that gets stuck in your head, but it's a whole lot worse than a song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that movie exists. Have you watched yeah. it? That's oh, a good you know, movie. You know, the ch you know the chase scene where the guy looks up, he's on his bike, he looks up, and it's in the middle of the road, and it chases him down the road. I, can't, I live through that. I can't watch it. I, ha I, I literally mm. th threw my phone down. I was watching it on my phone. I literally threw my phone down. 
I can't do it. You know, it, it, that's, that's the effect that had on me. And it sounds, it makes you sound, it makes you sound like, wow, this guy's nuts, but I can't help it. As long as I don't think about it, I'm okay. You know, I can go out and do a single knock and call one in 10 feet from me. I can track up behind one right now and be fine with it. It's Anyone who doesn't understand that has not actually experienced fear. Hmm. Anyone who has experienced fear yeah. can understand that. True. And I'm just mm -hmm. going to be fair and objective here. Patrick, do you think you're nuts? Do you think you hallucinated all that? Where, where no. are you at now? Did you hallucinate or not? No, it was not a hallucination. It was really there. Actually, I want to ask you that question a little bit differently. Have you asked yourself those questions? I ha I did. I was yeah. actually, after the first one, I was, I was uh, researching mass hysteria and, and hallucinations. That was part of my deal with me. Okay, if I could go out and debunk this, you know, I was going to take the knock away from Sasquatch and, and debunk the knock. And if I could debunk the knock and these things don't exist, I'm going to a doctor get pills so I don't see these things again. <laughs> I that wish it was that easy. That was yeah. the deal I made with myself. I, I actually the the only resolution I really wanted on that was if you had the presence of mind to ask that question yourself, you're probably not crazy. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, you know, a lot of people got to understand with our mind, our memories. It's like a film. You know, we can play. You know, sometimes it plays back. You know, regardless if we wanted to and not sometimes because the thoughts of what we've experienced, they're in there. They're not going to go away, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can't I mean, unsee something. Right. I mean, there's things I, you know, my experiences, I keep thinking back to those days, you know, and looking back and, and thinking about the scenarios, you know, because our encounter in 2014, I mean, we tried to debunk that situation, but there was no denying what we saw and what we experienced that day, you know, and I've had other little experiences, you know, throughout the years, um, some by myself, some with others. And, and I've always tried to consider other possibilities, but you know, what else would have done that? You know, what else is hiding in the, in, in the thick brush throwing big rocks, you know, yeah. what's making that sound, you know, little things like that, you know, but regardless, you know, what was so large and heavy that sounded bipedal walking away from me inside the woods in, in 2015. And I was camping out during the hunting season. I'll never forget that. I didn't see nothing, but I heard, I know what I heard. It was very close to me because just prior to that, I had a deer run off, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of little things you could look back and think of, but our minds will, you know, I, I don't think our minds are made to remember imaginations. I think our minds were created to remember physical things that actually literally happen you know that's the way i actually, look at it i mean no we we can manufacture false memories that, hmm. that's been very well documented well it's like uh you know i go out doing primitive survival i, I belong to a group it's international um i'm out there with limited firepower at best mm. in the dark no flashlights no lighters, no matches. Uh, you're on. You're on the ground sleeping, and you hear a heavy footstep sneaking in on you. In the dark, pitch black. There's no flashlights. You literally have to stop, grab flint and steel, make a spark, 
blown into a flame. Flint muzzle? <laughs> blown uh, 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 yeah. yeah, I have. Um, Why would you take a muzzle loader out in the woods? Oh my God. You see that? That's okay. my backup. Yeah, so you're definitely a part of a, some kind of primitive, really primitive group. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you know, I mean, there's no way to shine a light on the situation and it's pitch black and it's creeping in on you. And you have to lay there in that in that bedroll and be the soft taco of the of the, of the deer woods and keep your calm because no one around you knows it's there. You know it's there, but they don't. And there's four, there's three or four guys out there that are trusting you. So I'm laying there, you know, at night listening to this thing sneak around the woods. And that is disturbing. You know, that will, that, you know, your mind can breed all kinds of thoughts listening to that walk around you at night. You yes, know? but that doesn't mean they're correct. Okay, well, you know, I your, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So my, my wife has uh, done a lot of work with exotic animals. She went <clears> to school, <throat> exotic animal training and management. Uh, she worked with primates quite a bit. So, so I've had experience watching and, and seeing that work that she did. And, you know, they're a large primate, like you're a large primate. They're two to four times your size. But from a safety standpoint, you mentioned safety before. I've spent my whole career on safety analysis in, in software engineering. Uh, how things fail, why they go wrong. But I look at things as systems a lot like, uh, you know, Leon Thompson. Uh, I, I look at things as systems and, and where how systems work and where systems fail. My observation of all of the encounter cases I've seen, at least in this area, they seem to provide pretty clear warning for anyone who's willing to listen, that they would like you to leave. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe if someone is not aware that they're receiving a warning from a large animal, I don't care if it's primate or a cat or a bear, if that large animal is sending a very clear message that it's probably better for you to be someplace else and you don't listen, things might not go really well. Well, you know, that that reminds me of, you know, what, what people ask me, well, is Bigfoot dangerous? I mean, that's kind of, it's almost a no-brainer. The thing is, well, like, with what you were sharing, Steve, it's like with any predator, any animal could be dangerous. Uh, I was just actually speaking yeah. about this on the podcast I was just, uh, just got off of that I was a guest on. And, you know, I always tell people is, you know, and it's easier said than done is, but the thing is, don't put yourself in that position. You know, it's like one of the example I like to use is if, if you see a venomous snake in the wild, are you going to go approach it barehanded and play with it? If you're, you know, if you're not trained to handle a snake, you know, I mean, don't put yourself in that position, but you know, um, yeah, some situations you can't always avoid. So, but, but uh, yeah, one thing you were talking about earlier. Everything uh, is dangerous. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned with my uh, the host of the podcast I was just doing, 
you know, I was like, the most dangerous species alive right now is us humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, when I'm out, when I'm out listening uh, and I'm out trying to understand, understand if the if subjects, subjects are, present are present and what, and what they're, they're doing, doing, it's the, it's creatures, the creatures that look that like this that I'm more concerned about. about. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, I have an audio from one of my uh, experiences this summer, and it, it wasn't a Sasquatch experience. And I'm just sharing how I go about analyzing audio. But this truckload of yahoos comes up the main road, and they park right below where I'm sitting in the camp, and they start shooting into the dark. I mean, it, it is after oh. dark. They're shooting blindly into the dark. I just lay wow. on the horn for a few seconds just just to let them know someone's out there in the woods because I don't know what direction they're shooting. Exactly. Yeah. That's not safe at all. You got some very ignorant people out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They they oh they've I've experienced it's almost, rural almost America. Similar. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. Go ahead. Oh, I'm hearing myself repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. Patrick's got a window open. Yeah, I think oh. I think Patrick uh, set his earbuds too close to the computer. That's why I have I've had to mute him till he comes back. No, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, he, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I just yeah, didn't mention. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Okay. What? Well, yeah, I agree. They're dangerous. Anything is dangerous. The the thing is, a bear is dangerous. A cougar is dangerous. A you know, all sorts of things are dangerous. An elk is dangerous. A moose. Certainly a oh, moose yeah. in rut is very dangerous. And uh, it, it's it's how you deal with the situation and, and what you have planned. When I go into an area to do observations, I back in so that if I need to leave because I'm being encouraged to leave in a hurry, I don't have to turn my car around in the dark. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Patrick, well, kind of like what Patrick was sharing earlier, as far as, you know, sitting there in the dark, you know, you hear the footsteps come up on you. Um, I, you know, I can't say I've experienced hearing footsteps come up on me before. Um, now, the one I talked about in 2015, I, I was actually at camp. Well, I walked outside of camp up to the forest road and uh, started shining my spotlight when I heard what I heard walk away. But, you know, as far as my last time out there camping, it was back during the hunting season. You know, I'm sitting there. You know, I had a couple of quiet nights, but a couple of the nights got very interesting. And, yeah, the only light I had going on was the campfire. And so besides that, everything else was dark around me. I kept my my super bright spotlight next to me. I always keep a spotlight handy. And, of course, you know, I always keep my – I do keep a sidearm out there with me. I always carry a sidearm. Um, I never go out without one, regardless from daytime or nighttime. But um, you know, hearing things that kind of get you on edge and get your nerves going. I, I've heard, you know, regardless if it's a a really close tree snap, you know, I don't know what's doing it, you know, but you know, it could be a bear. You know, bears. I never really had issues with bears getting close to me, you know, at my camp. Uh, then again, I think I woke up to one uh, one morning. I think I scared it because I heard it scuffle off. 
it was just on the other side of my uh, my tent. <laughs> but um, yeah. But uh, I always come handy. I always keep my side on with me. I'm, you know, I love this thing. I hope I, I don't have to use it. But uh, then again, someday I probably wouldn't mind using it because I just want to shoot it. <laughs> but uh, it's a, you know, but uh, yeah, hopefully I never get in a situation where I have to. Well, I have really... bear spray. I, I don't think guns would do you much good against these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Patrick, do you do you go out in the woods armed? I do. Um, depending on time, depending on time of year. All right. Okay. I try. I try to emulate what's going on at that particular time of year. So summertime, I'm carrying. I'm carrying this knife. I'm car- uh, I have a fishing pole and tackle box because that's what they expect to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Deer season, they expect to see weapons. So I'm in camouflage and I have a, de- a deer rifle over my shoulder. So I, I try to stay to the norm of what they're used to seeing and, and experiencing at that time of year. Okay. So you don't feel the need to carry a sidearm at all times? In my area, no. I know them. Now, huh. uh, tracking for a show, tracking for a show uh, for, for the people I used to track for, you don't have a choice a lot of the areas you can send into. And there's and to me, their population is very much like ours. They could have someone who's uh, an individual that's chemically imbalanced that could be prone to violent, you know, behavior. And so... You know, I try to find out what behavior's been there. Why am I having to go in there and track these beings down and, and confirm that they're there or not? And sometimes it's just someone had a mundane sighting, and I may or may not carry a firearm. But I have gone into places where the landowners like, look, I have people leaving this property scared to death because they were chased out, they were growled at, a tree was thrown at them, you know, and they have that type of individual in there. And I have carried an AR-15 with a sidearm and, mm. and, and a tracking partner with an AK-47. And yet, you know. there you have that warning behavior I was talking about. Time for you to leave. Move on, silly human. But see, I can't leave. I have to go in. Right. I had to go in. I, I had one come up 50 yards out in the dark, grab a bush, and go, <laughs> and then take off. And you hear him, hear him hit the mud hole. His foot stepped in the mud hole and he heard as it pulled out of the mud as he's leaving out going, and he's going downhill and, and circling uphill to get a, a, a visual on me and keep me in eye, you know, so he can look at me. So, you know, as a tracker, I, you know, I like to choose my own area, but you don't always get to do that. And, and you don't always get to track the nice individuals. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, pa- Patrick, what's, uh, what state is this? You, you, you work in here uh, primarily uh, Louisiana and Southern Arkansas. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. For some reason, I had the mindset I thought you were in. For some reason, I thought you were in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I've been in Oklahoma. They are there in Oklahoma. They are in Texas. They are in Mississippi, and they're in Louisiana. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of different stories and reports. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, from out of Oklahoma because uh, I know the uh, uh, South, the Southern Alliance boys there, Brian Hulan and uh, uh, yeah. what's it, uh, Mr. Car- what's the other one? 
like Carpenter? Shane, Shane. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've, uh, I know they've gotten a lot of experiences and stuff and they, they find things. And I, I got another gentleman. He was actually, uh, on a podcast I had not long ago, uh, Joe pass. Um, he, he's from out of Texas. He does a lot of research in Texas, but he also does a lot in Oklahoma. So, uh, and yeah, he shared some stories of him and his buddy's experience out there in Oklahoma. So, yeah, there's definitely some, there's definitely some activity going on there. So, yeah, I was just interested. I, I don't know why I thought you were in Oklahoma for some reason, but, but interesting. Well, I've, I've got three county of Ken, Oklahoma. Uh, my grandfather married into the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma, which is my grandmother. Oh, okay. Um, my grandfather was a tracker. My father was a tracker and outdoorsman. I'm third generation tracker. Nice. So, uh, and then well, I got, and then I got into primitive living skills and got serious about it. Well, I, I think that, um, what we touched on a minute ago, as far as like, uh, guns, any kind of weaponry being involved, uh, I, I think that would actually uh, uh, interesting discussion for its own show. Uh, in all aspects, you know, I, I know that could be that could dip into the controversial, which is fine. We we we're not afraid uh, to do that here on Squatch Talk. Uh, but I uh, what you said about you, you carry different weapons at different times of year that fascinates me. Uh, me, you know, just me personally, I always go into the woods armed, period, period. But then again, I don't go tracking Sasquatch. In fact, I don't look for them at all uh, because that's not a thing I do, which might make people scratch their head as the host of this show tonight going, huh? Wait, what? You don't do what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. <clears throat> I almost so, never carry a gun. Do you own a gun? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, I you know, I don't this go is, into the woods on art. Yeah. You know, because yeah, they're my, my yeah. forty-four cat magnum. So. I mean, there's, you know, uh, I mean, I, you know, I had a, I had a coyote, uh, very mistakenly, and un, he didn't know, or he or she did not know, they were ten feet from my camp, and started wow. hoot, hooting and hollering. They just didn't know for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I got two little dogs with me, and uh, and they're freaking coyotes. So I came charging out of that freaking tent, man, with my uh, AR in the air. I was going to blast that freaking thing's head off. Or or, or a black bear, yeah. you know, that usually, usually you can just go, hey, bear, hey, bear, and even fire off a warning shot, and they'll run away. But that one time yeah. they don't. That one time they don't, they're strong enough animal. You got to put them down. I mean, you have to shoot them. So yeah, well, yeah, well, that's the thing. That right there. Nice, nice. I suggest if you're going to get a squatch gun, this is on this is unloaded. I suggest a a compact weapon that tucks in tucks in to your concealed. Like yeah, it's yeah. I open carry, but you barely see it just because yeah. of my clothes. Right. And that is a TLR six laser sight tack light with one operation. I can push that button right there and I have a bright stream light with a 
center point, aim point, red dot that is in the center of that light. Because, I mean, the majority of what I do is at night, I don't want to try to find a sight picture at night. Yeah. You know, I can, I can start off in the daytime tracking and then it gets dark on me and I'm a, I'm a mile and a half back. And if something goes wrong, I don't want to find the sight picture. I push a button, I have a stream light and where that red dot is, that's where, that's where a, uh, that's where a hole forms. And yeah. I, mean, I have on my 44, uh, no, my 45 caliber, uh, you know, um, that there, I, I thought about putting a, a laser on that one. That's got the, on the bottom, it's got the section where you can put one on it. But my, uh, my, my AR 15, I got that set up. That's all tactical setup. I got the, I got the laser on there. And then I also got the red green dot, uh, sights on there as well. So I designed and built this to be able to, I could not find a holster that would take that. So I designed and built this holster. Nice. That would accommodate that with with an extra magazine if I needed to make a change. Ah, yeah. pretty cool. And, and yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It, it would it would it'd be kind of fascinating to do a gun show. It, it would be very controversial though, uh, because the things that I would want to get into. I mean, my first thought is from what people say, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. I'm. It's not enough. And, but what if it's a Barrett 50 cal? That should be enough. Well, should be enough. Um, if not, then we're dealing with something that has a Wolverine skeleton. I don't know. Well, a 12 gauge with fragmenting slugs, you know, will take out a horse. Okay. If it'll take out a horse, it'll take care, take out one of these things. The problem is, as any hunter knows, when you pull the trigger on an animal, you know, unless you, unless it's a headshot, he's got a minute or two to do whatever he wants to to you. Okay. Yeah, right. And, and so most likely if you do a body shot on one, unless you shoot it in the hips or in the head, there's going to be one body laying there and another one got drug off by his family members. Yeah. And that's the other aspect is mm -hmm. that. Even if you take on a Sasquatch and you're successful in defeating it, um, for whatever reason, guys, we're we're not saying hunting. We're not talking about like going looking for them. We're saying just self defense. Self defense. Yeah. Okay, that, fair right. one, enough. Yeah, one chemically imbalanced psychopath that you may run into that's inside their population. But there might be three or four waiting. Uh, you know, twenty feet. I don't expect they're ever alone. Yeah, so they, there may be more around. So I mean, you're just gonna have to fight that fight over and over and over again until it until you either win or lose, right? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna shoot it in the hip joint. At least it can't crawl as fast as I can run. You hope. Or, or what about the knee? What about the knees? Blow blow it out a uh, knee. Yeah, both of them. That's yeah. another reason. <laughs> that's another reason why I have a laser sight <clears throat> that that I put on a bench, and it is dead on. It's not a half inch off or a quarter inch off. It's dead on. Well, I'll say this: like pretty much everyone that observes, like, has an encounter 
where they get to observe them moving pretty much uh i'm just gonna say a hundred percent of those people say they're extremely athletic Mm -hmm. they have athleticism Mm -hmm. like they've never seen before and i and i'm thinking holy holy cow man like you've seen you certainly you've seen gymnasts at the Olympics, mm-hmm. which is extreme athleticism. I mean, so these things are very powerful. They move quick. I mean, these are common themes, right? And about, about, about their movement. They're very athletic in a way that we're not or can't even comprehend almost. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also presuming from everything else that's already been said in this show you're not talking about going out to shoot one. You're talking about if if you are being run down, yeah, and you have no no other choice. Absolutely, this is not a, yeah. a pro pro kill discussion yeah. at all. But yeah. their athleticism is uh, it comes into play, you know. Well, in my second encounter, we picked up that one coming across a national forest headed into our deer lease. I was doing 40 miles an hour across that uh, national forest, and it kept up with me. Wow. Okay. Okay. My little boy had stomach issues that morning. I didn't want to go hunt, but he's like, let's just give me some medicine. He wanted to go hunt. We get down there and cut across this uh, national forest. He has to stop and go to the bathroom. So we stop, he jumps out in the ditch, he does a little business, jumps back in, we go. And we do this probably six or seven times across this national forest for about three miles, you know. And then the last few miles, I'm doing 40 mile an hour. And I stop at the gate and I hear this about 80 yards out there in the wood line because it's that far to the wood line. And he's on, loading the, he's on doing the gate and my window's down and I heard that and I'm like, huh. So we get through the gate, he locks the gate back, getting back in my truck. I go and another two miles down, hang a left, do another mile, and I'm moving. I mean, I'm trying to get to a stand, you know. It's 4.30 in the morning, and when I stop at his stand, it's about 40 yards to the wood line, and I hear, okay. I'd put him in the stand, and all these stands are on the grounds because we did our first, our opening weekend is donated to Hunters on Wheels. And so uh, I get him in the stand, get him door closed. I get in my truck, I run down, probably another three-eighths to half a mile. I park, and that's where it comes running up to the side of my truck and starts stalking me. So it kept up with my truck. That's how fast it was. 40, 40 miles an hour. Yeah, it did 40 miles an hour for at least two miles unbroken. Well, it, the- that now, makes sense, actually. Now, you got to understand the capabilities. It's not just the speed. There was no moon, and it was sprinkling rain overcast. It's dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face without a light. And it did that 40-mile-an-hour in the dark through those woods. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I mean, uh, so with their uh, stride length, they should be able to run that fast um, because they're, they're obviously they're tall. So if you, let's say par for the course, eight feet tall. So with those kinds of legs and that kind of stride length, 
and power, obviously, mm-hmm. um, they should be able to run. Uh, 40s kind of pushing it. Like, I don't know, maybe that was slightly downhill. But, uh, and of course, you know, going through the woods, uh, that's kind of weird that they could run 40 miles an hour through the woods. Yeah, now I'm, well, I'm hesitant to ask this question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Do you remember, by any chance, the phase of the moon? The moon was uh, setting. It was coming up daytime and setting right about, right about dark. Okay? And I know where you're going with this because that's how I hunt them. I use the phase of the moon when I hunt them. I, okay. I, get, I get on the moon rise and set times. And on and either by their phase and even a sliver of moon, they don't want to come into you. I actually had to sit on a levee on, on expedition on camera, sat on a levee till the moon went down. Moon went down 1130 that night and I had to wait for it to go down and then do our investigation. And that's the night we saw the one in the starlight and my, my tracking partner's elbowed me. There he is. That night was after the moon set. So, Do you want to know why I hesitate to ask the question? No. I, I don't know why, oh, but please oh, tell do me. Do you want to know? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so yeah. The, the, reason, the reason I hesitate to ask is if you don't have the answer, if your brain wants to appear smart, your brain might actually manufacture an answer. And you would consider that to be your own memory. You had a, you would have no way to tell it was not your memory. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, but uh, you have but you have a very detailed answer. You go hunting. You go hunting based in part on the phase of the moon. Mm-hmm. You know you know what the moon is when you're going out, and there's purpose behind that. Well, so it had moonlight to work from. Um, growing up, I grew up hunting the old ways. Okay, we didn't have corn piles to hunt on, and I had to kill to eat since I was little. And so I use the moon phases uh, on what animals are moving, when they're moving, and what fish are biting, and what time the fish are biting. Okay, so I grew up doing that. And so that the fact that these things move because of moon phases, now they exist in full, full, full moon, they exist. But you can see them coming, and they know it. On a dark moon, they, that's what I say. That's why I say they know your weaknesses, because on a dark moon, they know you can't see them, and they'll come right up on you. That's been our observation too. They're they're only out around a new moon. They're out there. They exist. You're just not going to get close to them because they know you can see them. Right. And their greatest their greatest weapon against us is that we don't know. Okay. Yeah. Their greatest concern. Their greatest concern comes from us knowing. Okay, what does this person's presence mean to my survival? That's their greatest concern. You know, that's why they'll come around and watch you in the woods. Okay, they study you. You have a shareer in your area. <clears throat> they have an area that they're in that is away from man. They can evade and escape you easily. You have your area, which is your home site, or your homestead, or your house. The areas you go to in the woods, that is not their home site. It is a shared hunting area. Just like when Daniel goes into his hunting area, that's a shared hunting area. When they have Daniel patterned, when Daniel's not there, when he cannot see them, 
they come in, they do what they need to do, and they leave. And they're existing on the same plane, under the same moon, under the same sun, as Daniel is, but they pay attention to him and pattern him, pattern him to where they can avoid him. Right. And, that, and that's in the shared areas. Now, what we were actually trying to do effectively, and I know this is probably going to give Pat chills, or at least a lot of uh, emotional resistance, is uh, we were going out to the camp area. I don't want them coming up on my home. I don't want them coming up on my cabin. But we went out to the research area, and we went out to the research area in the time that the, the group that's there has recorded activity. And we are trying to indicate to them that we know they're around and then let them come in and observe and, and get a feel for us and what we're doing so they can feel a little more comfortable or a little less uncomfortable. And we'll be happy to leave if they uh, suggest it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of people don't know they're there. Yeah. And that is, and, and, and I guess I, the fact that, that I was chased out of my area, I've hunted for 20 something years prior to that. Okay. I was chased out of the area. She knows I know. Okay. Now, once they know, you know, the whole thing changes. The woods are less kind to you, okay? And that's the only way I can describe it. Part of it is your own psychology of, I know they're there, and I'm looking over my shoulder because I know what's there. And no matter what level of disturbance, you, whether you're on a one or a 10, you're gonna be aware of your situation a lot more than someone that doesn't know, just be bopping along like a lot of hunters I see, you know? And, uh, you know, there's hunters in my area. I would hunt and then come out of the woods, sit in my truck, and I'd, let, and I'd go down to another area, and the hunters would leave. I'd go in there tracking, and I've tracked uh, this female crossing ATV tracks in the mud, you know. I mean, you know, sharing that area. You know, that's where I learned that at, when, that, when all the hunters leave, they go and do what they need to do and get out. Yeah. You know, even in broad daylight. Yeah. So I was actually mostly happy uh, late this summer uh, when, uh, at least around Washington, all the camping I've ever done without a storm, without, a, without wind going on, uh, I have never observed trees to just happen to fall over. And uh, the, one of the last nights we were out before the big fires started up and, and all the smoke basically choked us out of the woods, uh, there was a tree that uh, fell down about uh, 50, 50, maybe 70 yards up the hill from us. And then a short time later, 180 degrees on the opposite side of us, another tree just happened to fall down. Mm-hmm. And I am just so glad we had been talking about packing up and leaving because we weren't hearing much. And I'm just, I'm, I'm actually really glad we didn't just pack up and leave immediately when that tree came yeah. down. We, we were there another 20, almost 30 minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, 
because I, I wouldn't want to just pack up and leave when they did that. As they weren't being aggressive in any other way. And I think that was just to tell us that they knew that we knew that they were there. Yeah. Well, my take on a tree push or break is uh, I'm stronger than you. Yeah. I'm bigger than you. <laughs> that's that's the that's my take. Yeah. Show of force. Break. Yeah. Yeah, it's a show of force. You know, and I that is my speculation. I I haven't asked one. I don't know. <laughs> you know I, I won't disagree with that, but I think it was it was also a test. It, it was an experiment to see how we would react. Yeah. Because, because we, told, yeah. we told them earlier in the evening that we knew we were there. We did whoops out into the woods. Well, there you go. Because if we don't do whoops, we hardly ever get anything from them. Mm -hmm. Well, they really are live and let live. Yeah. It's just when you go into an area and you break a rule... And, or you have a, a brash, uh, young, inexperienced Sasquatch. They can come in and give you a real bad experience when normally, you know, one that's more experienced and mature wouldn't do that. And you would never have known that they were there, you know. So it really does, it, you know, I've been studying. When I, when I started my study, it was, oh, well, first off, it was debunking them. Are they real? But. You know, after getting into the behavior side of it, what are their independent, the independent clan? What is its behavior tendencies? What are the individual behavior tendencies inside that clan? How does that compare to individual tendencies and behaviors in other states? Okay. Now, uh, Sasha in my area will knock with you. No problem all night long. Little Sam or son doesn't like to knock. He likes to vocalize. He'll yell at you. You know, uh, the littlest one, Samantha, I haven't spent a whole much time around her, although I've been around her. I actually frightened her enough to where she screamed, yelled, and ran on uh, one night because I had technology in there, and they hate technology. All right, I had this laptop and a recorder sitting beside it on the hood of my truck, and Sasha threw a rock at it. It hit the recorder dead on. I mean, great shot. Hit my recorder and bounced across the hood of my truck. And little Sam is out there beating his chest. And then the little one is screaming and running back to mama because I had technology in there. You know, and that's a lot of, it's taken a long time to get that much insight just on this core group. You know, and then I, I went to Mississippi, south, southwest Mississippi. They act like they don't know what a knock is. They'd really yell at you. You know, you, that's where I heard the, the samurai chatter and then the whoops. And, and one night I went in there and I wasn't getting anything. And so I did four knocks. And it was like all hands on deck. Here they come. There was eight of them screaming at the top of their lungs, yelling, whooping, uh, craziest noise. All, I mean, within all within about 50 yards. And that was actually the last night that a, a particular person went out and did audio with me. And that audio will probably never be heard. That's some of the best audio I ever heard. It'd probably never see the day of, 
you know, daylight. But, uh, well, the level of interaction we had that time was really a level that I was very comfortable with. And what I, what I feel like I should have done at that point, and I probably would have done if we weren't already getting ready to leave, yeah. would be to actually pull the chairs out of the back of the car and, and sit down out in the open in the back of the car so they could see where we were and they could see who we were. That's exactly what I do with my core group. I have an area I go to. It's an approved area. It's not an intrusive area in their area. It's a shared area, which is improved, which is which means they have they know they're going to encounter man there. And uh, my tracking partner, I go up there and throw our chairs out there, and they do not like LED lights. They do not like any technology, but you can go sit there on a dark night and do a couple of knocks and they'll come in and skirt around you. You know, if you got a bright enough starlight like I had last time, uh, little Sam come in, he, he's, seven, he's, he's seven and a half feet tall now. He come, he come through the woods and now my tracking partner's kind of crazy and he walked right out there to him. You know, he walked out there, little Sam, he darts off back around the grass and then he does a whoop and he's gone. And I try to call back to him with a whoop and then 300 yards out, he does another faint whoop. He's out of there. Yeah. It's like, it's like I came, said hi, I'm gone, you know. So, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I have, I have, I'm a bit controversial because I'll call it what it is. You have a lot of people that say, well, you can't call it what it is. Well, here's the deal. When I get done with the counter, I don't just pack up and leave. I click my light on and I go track what's there and take pictures of the five toes and the heel and the track of what was there that was making the sounds that was calling to me or knocking. So I confirm what's there. Yeah, even if we don't stay the night, if we if we had anything like that, uh, we'd we'd come back out the next day and, and yeah. walk around and explore the area there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about your, your one knock uh, idea. Now, tell me if I understand this right. Uh, in, in a nutshell, one knock is essentially a question, is anyone out there? No, this is something else. Okay, two knocks was an invitation, not, not necessarily an invitation, but a you can approach closer, and three knocks is a warning. If you come much closer, something's going to go on. All right. Before you get in trouble here, I'll help you because I don't want you to go out and use that and think that's what that is. Well, hey, Patrick, well, I'm, I'm just trying to understand if that—that's the one knock idea that I have heard. Is that well, yours or is that someone else's? That's very similar to mine. Uh, that might have been someone's perception of it. That might have told okay. me about it. Um, knocks are specific just as specific as any explanation point or period or comma you can put in a sentence specific. Okay. Uh, single knock is, Hey, I'm here. And where your feet is compared to where their feet is, is also very specific. You do not want to be in their area doing it. You want to be in an approved area. I don't care if it's a logging landing, 
a dim road, you know, a, 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 an isolated gravel dirt parking spot. You be in your improved area to do a single knock, okay? Because you can have a real bad encounter, all right? And just like in a conversation, you'll hear a loud knock out there and it's coming in. You can hear, you can hear a knock a mile away, okay? And that's not a guesstimation. We actually measured it on, on X maps. But the knock will come in, and as it gets closer, it should get more subtle. Okay, because this isn't just in communication. This is a conversation. Okay, and yeah. as it comes in, it'll get, it should get softer, more subtle. It's kind of like yelling at someone across a football field, and as you get closer, you quit yelling. All right, so when you do a loud bang, and you hear a loud bang, and as it comes in, when it gets when it breaks 80 yards, you go subtle with yours, and it'll go get subtle with 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 it. Now, you know if you're in an area that this does not want you to be in, it could be an unsolicited knock, and it's a very loud 40 or 50 yards out there, very extremely loud, sound like a gunshot, pow, you know, and that is an in-your-face, I'm here. Your presence is required. Okay, you're not needed here. Okay, so it's very specific, and it's also uh, you, you just have to be careful. Sure. Because you know, um, now you could do a soft knock, and it may not care. It, it could be a loud knock right in your face. I'm here. It's telling you, I'm here. This is my area. Your, your presence is not required. Or it could come in and do a subtle knock. And saying, you know, when you're saying, hey, I'm here, it could come in and say, hey, I'm here too. And get subtle well, and, and come well, right in on you. Patrick, let me, let me throw something out there. Cause I've had a few different tree knock experiences. But uh, one in particular, I'll never forget. It was broad daylight, middle of day. Um, it was me and two others. We've been hiking. And this is in my general research area, and this is up up across from where I normally set up camp, but this is going up on one of the lower ridges. Uh, we've been hiking up through the woods there. We we came up to one ridge, went down to the bottom, and then by the time we came up to a, the, the second ridge setting, you know, you know, we were all kind of out of breath a little bit, so we, we, we all sat down and took a break to catch our breath, and I'm the first one to stand back up. And I had my backpack and I had my, you know, piece of wood in there for my tree knocks. And, and I told the other two, I said, guys, I'm going to just for the heck of it, I'm going to do a tree knock, you know, cause I figured we were in a good open area. Well, we just got done coming through some thick, you know, some thick brush and, and something told me just to let's try it just for fun, you know? So my wood I had, I love using pine, by the way, pine, pine for some reason works great out there because there's a lot of pine trees. There's a lot of pine and softwood out there. But uh, so, yeah, I gave off a good one single solid knock. And, you know, I wasn't expecting to get nothing, it, especially being in the broad daylight. Most of the knocks I hear are mainly in the evening or totally at night. But this particular moment, you know, like the other two were still sitting on the ground behind me. I gave off the tree knock. And from the ridge we just came from, Looking back at it, I get a response down to the left. I hear knock. I was like, 
what? And then all of a sudden, maybe five seconds or so later, way up to the far right, get another knock. And I was like, and that was it. But I thought that was cool as crap. So you now when I heard all this, I was like, are they just communicate with me? Let me know where they're at or, you know, I don't know. What, what would your take on something like that be? Well, you started a conversation. Okay. Okay. When you send a knockout, you're communicating something. You sent a loud hailing knockout, hailing to anybody that's in that area. You got a response back saying, hey, I'm here. Ah. Okay. And then the second knock uh, was another one saying, hey, I'm here too. So there yeah. was actually three people, there was three beings in a conversation right there. Yeah, that's the way I took it because this, the second response was a little, no, the first one, the first one seemed to be fairly close, you know, so-and-so, but the second one, you could tell it was a little bit further up. It was further up, up on the ridge. Uh, and when you go further up the ridge, I've been up that ridge before so far and it is kind of thick and well wooded up there, but uh, then it goes into some open area here and there. But anyway, but yeah, I just yeah, uh, that was I forget how long ago, maybe five six years ago, maybe maybe a little lot more than that. But it was pretty interesting. I, I you know it was just exciting to get that response, you know. But <laughs> so yeah. I've had people say adamantly that they don't knock to humans. I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of knocks I've solicited and got, and some of them were mistaken. They thought I was someone they knew and I wasn't. But as far as they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and they know I'm a human, they'll knock with you. But see, you sent out a, hey, I'm here. And you did it in a way that they understood it. So like, hey, this guy just said, hey, I'm here. Bam, I'm here too. Hey, I'm here. You know, and then another one's like, hey, I'm here. You know, and so I don't think it's anything aggressive. I just think they're excited and said, yeah, because they are extremely, they're extremely, uh, they crave, they crave, uh, communication and togetherness from their own, from their own kind, you know, and I've had them be absolutely curious about how does this, how does this guy know to communicate like this? How does he know what we're saying? I've had that happen. Now, hmm. Patrick, you inferred a lot from where I was going from with the knocks, and all the information I got was awesome, and I was kind of fishing for it. However, the the only place I was really going to go with it was the the research group I've been working with has said even even if you're in an improved area, a, a, a human shared area. Uh, one of the campsites or one of the logging spurs. If you knock, they go away. They stop interacting. Uh, well, like I said, it depends on individual and yeah. clan tendencies and behaviors. On the other hand, one of the things I realized from his suggestions for how to act, because this is a shared research area, and at any time there may be people with recording devices out there and, and with cameras out there. And his suggestion is if you make any sound at all as, as part of your research, as part of trying to interact with them, do three sounds. 
So if you do whoops, do three whoops. If you do knocks, do three knocks. And that, when I first heard that, I kind of bit my lip, but I was thinking about someplace on some channel, I heard three knocks is basically back off or don't don't come any closer because something's going to go on. Yeah, we're going, I'm getting there. I really am. So please be patient. And no. And, and I'll answer any question anybody has. You know, I don't have the monopoly on this. I'm here to support the community and try to get a greater understanding of this subject matter. And well, I don't know what you know, so I don't even know what my questions are. I, and I understand that because part of getting the right answers is knowing what, what question to ask and how exactly. to ask it. How, not just how to ask it, but how to ask it in an experiment too. You know, but uh, two knocks is, hey, I'm here. And so should you be. That's two knocks and that's bam, bam. Okay. Hey, I'm here. And so should you be. And so, uh, and three knocks is danger warning. Get out of the area to anybody that understands this leave now. Okay. That's three knocks. And so if you're going to a research area and doing three knocks and you're basically now this can backfire on you. You can either be laying down a challenge to something to come in and hand your butt to you, or you're going to send it the other direction thinking, wow, this guy's serious. He's bad to the bone. He's probably armed since he's a human. Let's get out of here. Now, here's something else I have thought about, too, uh, in the past, and especially with what you guys are talking about tonight with the knocks and everything. Um, you know, just like, you know, Everybody in different states, north, south, you know, sometimes we have different sayings for different, you know, sometimes we might say something, it might mean something totally different to somebody down south or vice versa. Do you think it's possible that, like, as far as tree knocks, like, could tree knocks mean something different to a different group in one state compared to another, uh, in another it, state? It can um, I know the tree knocks in Louisiana means the same as the tree knocks in Texas and in Arkansas and also in the Northwest, as far as the three mm. goes, as far as the three goes and Oklahoma, because uh, I actually had a guy, I had him do three knocks to, to, to quiet his camp down. But, uh, but like Mississippi, like I said, Mississippi, they'd rather yell at you. But even their vocals had a cadence of one. 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 Hmm. You know? And so I only have a rudimentary understanding of the knocks. I wish I could, you know, drive around and try them everywhere. But, uh. And, and being scientifically minded, I, I would even back off that to say you think you have a superficial understanding of it. Well, as a thermoplastics engineer and a CAD drafting design specialist, I would say that I'm pretty intelligent enough to say that I do have a rudimentary knowledge of my area and where I've been. Now, what's your experience in the Northwest? Because you you did mention the Northwest. There was a uh, a report of Northwest. I wasn't there, but this hiker hiking along this mountain trail and it's just covered in big timber 
and a rock slide occurs. And in that rock slide is a Sasquatch. And it rolls down and lands right in the middle of the trail, right in front of him. And he doesn't know what to do about it. And, he, and the Sasquatch gets up, he walks 10 yards down the trail, he grabs a rock and he starts beating on another rock. Bam, bam, bam. Three. He does it three, three, three. And then uh, this guy feels really uncomfortable with the stare and the physical demeanor of this being and he takes off and he's chased all the way to the parking lot. Now, some people might not believe that, the encounter, but with his encounter with the three knocks, I believe it. Hmm. It's, it's certainly evidence that uh, doesn't argue against the idea. Yeah. And I, and I wonder about that because this guy always does three knocks and three knocks always basically tell them to go away. And that's three knocks from the human safe shared area. So that's yeah. basically him asking them to go away, and they do. Wow. Well, what I think would be cool is if you took those knocks out in your research area and tried them out and either confirmed uh, or, uh, or found something different with what your research area is with these knock sequences. I would be inclined to do the single knock and see if they come closer instead of doing the whoops. Well, if you do a single knock and it comes in on a single knock, do a double knock. Now, what you take on he hearing a knock without producing one, for example, for you know, in the same area, right, um, in the same exact section where we had uh, six of us shared that 2014 encounter, uh, three years later in 2017, there's a small group of us camping just across from there, which is actually in a camp spot next to the camp spot where I had something walk away from me. Well, there's that whole section of woods right there. Uh, I, I give that area a lot of focus. And it's not the only part of the area I focus in, but it's my main focus area. It's my favorite spot. Um, but anyway, when a group of us back in 2017 were camping there, um, you know, it was me, my buddy Greg, his wife and his son. Uh, my daughter was there. And then my father actually came out camping um, his first time in a long time. Well, anyway, uh, after Dad had gone in his tent, he was, you know, tired, and he just started to lay down. And the rest of us were sitting there around the campfire. It was probably about maybe 10 o'clock or so at night. And we were talking amongst ourselves, and then yeah, it got quiet on uh, – um, it was a very calm, you know, night. It was cool. It was about maybe 60 degrees, give or take. And we are all sitting there. And all of a sudden, like I said, keep in mind, dad was only in his tent. He's only been in his tent for about 10 minutes. All of a sudden, I'm just sitting there, kind of relaxed and dazed by the fire. And, and then right across from outside of camp on the other side of the forest road in the woods, where the same section of woods where we had our encounter, it sounded like somebody with brutal force took a big, giant Louisville slugger and slammed it up against one of those big pine trees that are in the woods over there. And we heard this big, powerful knock, one single solid knock, and we're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, all heads shifted right, you know. And I got up, and I heard Dad squirreling, you know, trying to get out of his tent. So apparently he was still awake. 
as soon as dad gets out of the tent, he stands outside of his tent. He's like, I heard that. And I was actually starting to laugh because I was pointing in the direction where it came from. I said, I told you, you know, I've been telling them about everything I've experienced out there. And that totally caught us all off guard, to be honest. But it was awesome. But like I said, we weren't doing nothing. We were just sitting there, minding our own business, you know, having some minor conversation around the campfire. And then, boom, that big old tree knock happened right across from us. So, um, How far but, out? Oh, if I had to give it a, a guess, I mean, from where we were sitting, uh, first of all, the forest road was only about maybe, maybe 50 feet from where we were sitting. And then across from there, you got the woods. So you're probably looking about easily maybe – See, you figure it had to been so far inside that tree line, so maybe a hundred feet, give or take. <laughs> so roughly, yeah, roughly estimated about ran almost a hundred feet. So I'm I would here. have to. Yeah, hey, I'm here. Your presence is not required here. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, because I feel like that's their. That's like their. In the evening, I, I I feel like they come down off that ridge, you know, because I've, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of deer that go into that area, too. I, you know, I believe that they may use that for hunting um, or whatever they do, because prior to our, our encounter in 2014, just prior to uh, having that situation, there was a deer on the opposite side of the forest road as we were coming up the road. Um. 2015, like I said, before I heard whatever was heavy and bipedal walking away from me, mm -hmm. before that, there was a deer involved. And I keep thinking back and looking back at that. Was that just a coincidence or was there a reason there was a deer involved? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like could they have been stalking, you know, or getting ready to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you could have. You could have uh, uh, been a fly in their ointment, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh. I've, I, most of the hunting tactics I see them do is is ambush and, you know, from a blind, or I've seen, I've I've tracked them where they circled upwind, and the herd pushed to the opposite side of the of the clearing into the woods where the, some more were waiting. Yeah, I've 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 tracked them doing that too. Um, hmm. Well. Well, I, I I have to say, guys, um, this has been a great discussion tonight. And and yeah. as far as Woodnox goes, uh, you and I, Patrick, like uh, we could, like you and I could have this conversation for another hour at least because I have my own experience with Woodnox. Be interesting to you know compare. We've talked in text about it. You know, we messaged about it, well, and uh, and. There's no blanket, right? There's, there's no blanket answer. There's never, never, and there's never and always with Sasquatch. There's just yeah, general tendencies. There's general tendencies and rules that apply to them. Well, the reason I wanted to understand Patrick's idea better was to consider doing some experiments to try to confirm it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Except, I don't. I'm not, I'm not going to participate in that guys. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, uh, we're kind of, we're getting close to 
two hour mark here. I'm yeah. too, I'm gonna get her wrap it up, man, for the audience. Uh thanks for being on, guys. Uh Patrick, Steve, and Daniel. Um uh so Daniel, where where uh, where where can we find you at the ECBRO radio? Uh, yeah, you can find me directly on Anchor uh, if you want to listen to my podcast, uh, Anchor, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, and several others, CastBox. And, uh, that's the, my radio podcast. Uh, you can find – I also have a Facebook page set up for that where I share the content there for the ECBR Bigfoot Radio, uh, YouTube, Bigfoot Zone, ECBRO. Uh, check it out, subscribe, click that bell. Um, and – um, find me on my regular Facebook page if um, if you want. If you can't, you can't friend request me. I'm already at the match for Facebook friends, so you can just click follow and uh, follow me that way. So <laughs> uh, check out my blog site. Um, I I promoted this earlier, and I haven't updated it in a while, uh, which I should start doing some more updating on it. But check out ecbro.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find some of my blogs and some stories there you guys may find interesting as well. So, um, and later this month, uh, there will be a very cool podcast episode. I was on tonight. Uh, so you can check that out, uh, from beyond the, fr- beyond fridge, uh, with host, uh, Chris, Chris Cyrus. I had a lot of fun with, uh, discussing and talking with him tonight. So went yeah, really that, well. Yeah. 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 That's so, yeah, good stuff. Uh, beyond yeah. friends. Good stuff going on there. So uh, yeah. what about you, Steve and uh, Patrick? Where can we find you guys? Well, I've got the uh, the channel Curious Cryptid on YouTube that I am mostly using for uh, essays, uh, white papers that I am that I am reading that are the results of the, the research that I've done and, and things yep. that I've accumulated knowledge of. And a website, uh, CuriousCryptid.com, where... Uh, I have a whole bunch of other stuff, in, including an open notebook for all of the trips I'd go out to do observation. Nice. And you, Patrick? I'm just a solo independent tracker. Hey, all right. Yeah. All right. So don't I'm try. I'm on Facebook. It, he's on Facebook. Don't try to get a hold of him. Don't try and. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Patrick Vaughn on Facebook. Uh, some of my tracking pictures are there. Just, you know. That tracks I find, sign I find that I take a picture of and drop it in the file for people to look at. There you go. Um, and you can find me on on this on pages like this, trying to yes. uh, put squash, awareness out. Squatch talk. Well, Pat- Squatch talk. Hey, Patrick, if you ever make it up to Virginia, look me up. I definitely would like to take you out in my area and let you scout it out. I think you'll find it very fascinating. Oh, uh, I'd love to. I, I'd love to. It's There's so, so much. There's so it, much terrain out there, but I, I know that place like the back of my head. <laughs> like, so. yeah, I'll, 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 I'll say this before, before we go, uh, Patrick, uh, it's some, it would be something way different than you used to if you go up there. Um, and, and I say that as a North Georgia guy. So I'm not even like, I'm not even familiar with the type of terrain you're used to, you know? So, uh, it's just different up there, man. It's uh, it's a lot of like uh, separated uh, high mountaintops with deep, deep valleys. And that's Kentucky. No, uh, no. Vir- 
Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you want, look up the George Washington National Forest and the Jefferson National yeah. Forest. Uh, I mean, I live in the Shenandoah Valley. So if you look all that up, you'll kind of get a general idea. I mean, you got the uh, the Appalachian Trail runs right through here. You got the Allegheny yep. Mountains. Allegheny Mountains border the West Virginia line. And, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of, well, a lot of woods, a lot of a lot of forests out here. So, yeah. You know. They they are there. They are there. Just like they're here with me and here with you guys. Uh, uh, Steve being the uh, Steve being the guy way across the country over here. <laughs> uh, you know, way out on the left coast. Yes, it's been a pleasure meeting you, Steve, and always a pleasure, Pat and Daniel. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to uh, bring this gr- group together tonight and have a, a, you know, open, honest discussion, which is what we uh, what we do here on S- Squatch Talk. It's just open. It's honest. We're not afraid to stray into areas that may be controversial, maybe not. Whatever. Um, we we could talk about Dogman and how they're kangaroos. Um, anytime, <laughs> anytime, anytime. I saw, I saw UFO once. Yeah. And, or that man, like orbs and stuff. I mean, we know people, I mean, I make jest and I'm, I, and I'm not making fun of anybody that's ever seen anything weird out there. Hey, I, uh, but, yeah. but still there we, are weird things out there. I don't think they're all Sasquatch. And exactly, like that's a topic unto itself, right, Steve? So, so yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and wrap it up, guys. And I, I thank you all for being here. Uh, very impromptu. We just kind of did a last minute free for all. And uh, you know, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, oh, Steve. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, so we're we're gonna wrap it up and call it a night. And uh, great discussion. Thanks for being here with us tonight on Sasquatch. And as always, guys, thanks for listening. All right. Absolutely. Thank you.